catchphrase of a good friend of ours uh, that you know really well also. Uh, his catchphrase is preach the word. Preach the word. He will say that constantly. Uh, he'll end a text. Uh, when he's out of town and I'm up here, I'll get a text from him. That'd be Gary, obviously. But he would just say, preach the word. Because it's a great catchphrase. And it's also a great summary of what we're supposed to be about as Christians. And uh, we finally get to the section of Second Timothy where we're going to talk about preach the word. And in some sense, everything we've been talking about for the last four weeks builds to this point, and then it culminates next week with kind of a wrap-up. But really, the high point of Timothy, the high point of the message that Timothy has for, uh, excuse me, that Paul has for Timothy is to preach the word. And we've been going through this great letter of Second Timothy where the older, aged, near-death Paul is writing his last letter, his letter to Timothy, and he's passing on everything he has to Timothy. It's his last lesson. It's his last words, if you will, at least on paper. And we've talked about this, that the image of the baton being passed from one generation to the next, the mantle of leadership, the mantle of uh, this um, one of the last apostles to pass it on to the next generation of Christians, is very, very apt, and it's very, very appropriate to use that. And this is a letter that we've talked about before, but it was written in 66 A.D. It's a, um, Paul was uh, an apostle. He witnessed Jesus Christ. His life was literally transformed uh, by meeting Jesus. And he's passing everything he can on to his protege, if you will, his partner, his child in the faith, his uh, closest, one of his closest um, people that followed him. And that's what we're kind of mining this message for, is this overall idea of passing it on. And when we studied this as a quick review, we talked about uh, weeks and weeks ago that the kind of introduced this idea of passing it on. We talked about one of the messages Paul had was he passed on the privilege of suffering to Timothy, that this is part and parcel of the Christian walk is that you will suffer. Our Savior suffered, and uh, the mark of our faith is a symbol of suffering, and suffering is part of what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't go on a lot of uh, bumper stickers, and it doesn't show up on a lot of church signs, but it is what our faith is about. Then we talked about passing on the wisdom, that Paul has a lot of knowledge he wants to pass on to Timothy, so Timothy can be wise in the Word. Last week, we talked about the readiness. Paul wants Timothy to be ready to preach um, and pass on readiness, and today we're going to talk about the calling, and we'll kind of link that together a little bit next week. we wrap this whole thing up. Uh, next week, just to make sure you show up again, best phrase in the Bible, one of the most powerful things that's just very inspirational, at least for me, hopefully for you. But that's where we're going. That's what we've been doing. Uh, we talked about early on the idea that uh, to be approved workmen uh, for Jesus Christ, that the Greek word was the same one they used for coins, and the people who made the coins had to be approved, and that as Christians, we've been approved by... God, and that's where we, our Awana program gets its phrase from, is right out of Second Timothy. Last week, we talked about the word adequate and how adequate in English word, our vernacular is like, yeah, it's okay. But my wife pointed out to me afterwards, like, well, that's true in English to be adequate, it's okay. But if you're adequate from God's point of view, that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. And I used the image for an example of the space shuttle. The astronauts can land that thing after millions of miles and in unimaginable velocity within three feet of their target every time. And that's a good explanation of adequate. And then we also talked about the idea that we sometimes wait 
to get a message that we want from God and that we use the parable of the man on the roof and the flood. It's one of my favorite stories because it, it deals with a lot of different things about faith and religion and all that. But the idea was that you don't wait. That when you are given the opportunity to act, to preach, to share, you take up on it. Or also maybe pay more attention to what God's telling you through his word. Um, today we're going to take a look at short five verses. And they're uh, very simple. And it really is the, the key verse to the entire book of Second uh, Timothy, or letter of Second Timothy, this idea of passing it on, and that this is the main message. Preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. That is Paul's message. The central question we want to take a look at in this little, uh, as we break that out a little bit, is, is what's Timothy's calling? It's also what is our calling? And the answer is to preach the word. But that's, the, that's the, the sum, no matter what you're doing, whether you're making tents, repairing motorcycles, you work at a farm, your calling is to preach the word. You might, what's the right word? You might show that in a different way. It might come out in different ways that you do it. But it's, it's preaching the word is what we're all called to. Let's observe a couple things in this, um, this message, this short set of verses. It's five verses, but it really follows a classic essay format. I like that because I used to teach, and essays are important. The calling, an explanation of the calling, talking about human nature, and then Paul restates the calling. That's how you communicate with people. It's very clear. It's very easy to understand. The first two verses, uh, one and two, preach the word. Pretty clear, no matter what's going on, in season or out of season, whatever that looks like for you, You are to preach the word. He's telling Timothy that very clearly. Verses 3 and 4 talks about human nature. Why is it important to preach the word? Well, because people are bad. I'm bad. You're bad. We all have sin. And people are going to fall away from the truth. They are going to turn away from God because God makes us do things that we don't necessarily want to do. Our flesh resists it. Our spirit within us is where we have our strength. But our flesh doesn't want to do that kind of stuff. And then Paul comes back at the very end in verse 5. Be serious. Endure. It's okay. You're going to suffer. But fulfill what you're called to do. And you're called to, to, be, a, to be a preacher. To preach the word. Um, if you, just an observation of these verses. If you've ever done any kind of Bible study. Uh, the language this was written in Greek. The verbs are a really big deal. Like, you pay attention to the verb. The first thing you look at when you have to, okay, what's this mean? Is you look at, okay, where's the verb? And it's like a little bit of a, you know, grammar stuff. But in Paul's language he was writing in, the verbs are a big deal. This sentence has five. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but when I know verbs are a big deal and this sentence has five verbs, I'm probably going to pay a lot of attention to that. That's That's probably big. I read, I did not verify, but I read that um, 2 Timothy has more verbs per verse than any other book of the Bible. I did not go count. I'm going to state that up front. I'm I'm trusting that person. But it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? This is a lot of the the last words you're pouring into somebody. You're probably going to say a lot of do, 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 don't do, don't do. Because Paul's trying to pass on to Timothy and to us uh, some really important things. And... uh, That's what it says. So let's talk about what it means. Let's go to this idea that preaching the word and take a look at 
just one word today. I want to look at the word preach, the word that Paul used, again, under the context of we're trying to pass this on and what we want to get passed on. And don't think again, oh, this only applies to Timothy. Or if it says preach, well, that's for the preacher. In fact, we don't really use that term exactly. Gary is considered a pastor-teacher. And there's several elders that have the gift of being a pastor-teacher or being able to break down the word. It applies to each one of us. Might not look the same, might not be with the microphone, but preach the word is something we're called all of us to do. So, what's that word preach mean? Well, if you break it down, it's to openly or publicly herald or proclaim to speak or write, but pretty much the word means speak. The way the word's used, it's always in conjunction with the word of God. So the word of God is linked to this idea, and that's obviously what do you preach? You preach the word of God. You preach the truth. And what you preach, what you openly proclaim must be true. It has to be. Um, You exult in proclaiming. It's a very important thing. And a herald, if you think the idea of a herald, you're sent by somebody. You don't, it's not you. You're doing somebody else's word. You're proclaiming something from somebody else. You are uh, representing somebody else when you're preaching. You are uh, a representative. And uh, sometimes in churches have church governments and things, we tend to think that the leaders represent the people, kind of like Congress. And it's the exact opposite in a church. The leaders represent God to you. And it's all we're on this big community. Uh, the word preach, uh, a good example of it is probably this guy, the idea of a town crier. Guy that walks up the bell, hear ye, hear ye, and he reads a big proclamation. I give you this as an illustration, as an example, but not one to follow. Exactly. If you walk into the bookery dressed like this, people are they're going to make fun of you. And that... that, that won't foster the kingdom of God, I think, in a, in a good way, necessarily. Although, people will remember you. Anyways, um, that's the example of the proclamation. The town crier is there, sent by somebody else. He's doing this publicly, and he's doing it in a, a very um, loud, very open way. It's very clear. Side note. I'll walk up here. This is the side. I'll make a side note. Um, preaching in context of how it's used all over the Bible, there's a relationship between preacher and the the person being preached to. And while there's nothing wrong with listening to a sermon on the radio or watching a sermon on TV, or if you're listening to this podcast off the Internet right now, hi, um, that's okay. That's a great thing to do. But that's not really what the word means. Preaching is about relationship. The, the people know each other. There's connection between them. And, yeah, if I'm, you know, running or whatever, listening to a, a sermon, is, I do that all the time. But that's not what it really is sent for. Get your church in church. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. If you, obviously you're here, I'm not talking to you. But if you know friends that, well, I don't need to come to church because I... I you know, there's a guy on TV I listen to, or I got Moody Radio. That's that. I don't know what to call it, but in my mind, personally, I wouldn't call that a, a proper sermon because it's one-way communication. Preaching is two-way. It's interactive. There's, you know me, I know you, and I can see your faces. And if I say something really dumb, I see you react, and I can correct it right away. Hopefully, 
Um, what you're preaching, the word, the doctrine, the, the thing this town crier might be saying, very, very important. In fact, if you go through Timothy, the book of, either one of the two books, uh, a lot of time spent talking about doctrine, true versus false. Um, there are 36 references in the book of Second Timothy to be careful to preach the true doctrine. There are 17 references where Paul warns Timothy to watch out for false doctrine or twisted doctrine or perverted doctrine. And you'll see on the back of your notes, I try to do as often as I can, parts of the, the, this church's belief, the affirmation of faith. We wrote down what we believe and all the biblical references for what we believe. Check those out. Doctrine is important because false doctrine looks and sounds really close. Okay? And I think I've, I've said to this before, a great way to suss out if you, your doctrine is sound or not is talk to somebody about how you're saved. What is the process of justification? And if they say anything other than John 3.16, believe and you're saved, I'd be very nervous. They believe and make the Lord Lord of your life. Believe and be baptized. Believe and say 12, whatever. Doesn't, that's perversion. It might sound okay. It might sound close. But when you are preaching, when you are sharing the word of God with someone, it is important that it's true. It's the honest. It's the base. It's the, the pure, unadulterated word. Because the preacher does not make it up on his own. The preacher, the town crier, is doing what the rep, he's representing somebody else. It's to be done, the word preach, uh, the grammar says, do it, do it now, keep doing it, and do it with all your energy. Do it uh, forcefully, powerfully, use all that you are to do that. Um, one example, uh, have you ever, you know, the people have a little fitness tracker thingamabobs? Used one for a while. Used it when I was up here preaching. Uh, the average, what do you think for mileage for a preacher doing a sermon? Three and a half miles. So when Gary's tired at the end of the day after preaching, that's probably why. Now, Pentecostals, I think they get about six miles mileage because it's, it's just, you know, it's a little more energetic. But uh, preaching's hard work. It's, it's, it's supposed to be. And preaching does not elevate the preacher. It's also something else I worry about with TV. Anyway, preaching elevates the Word of God. You point to the Word of God. It's to be done all the time, in season and out of season, with great reverence to... Reprove, rebuke, and exhort people. It's done with patience and skill. There's attention to the audience. There's uh, an eye on who's hearing the word. That's why the we were at the game yesterday. There was a guy with a megaphone outside the gates of the stadium yelling. Couldn't really tell what he was. I think it was political craziness. I don't think it was religious craziness. But he's on a megaphone. And he's shouting. That's not preaching. That's not done with care and instruction and gentleness and patience. That's just yelling at people. Okay? There's a difference. Facebook is great. You can spread a lot of information with Facebook, but that's all one-way communication. Okay? Preaching is face-to-face, and it's done verbally. A little bit of writing, but mostly verbally. You don't need this to be a preacher. You don't need an ordination to preach the Word of God. My namesake, um, generations back in Scotland, they were Methodists, and John Wesley was their hero. John Wesley was thrown out of most of the good churches in Scotland, and he did a lot of his preaching from the park, well, field, in the grass. That's still preaching. You don't need to be the pastor to be a preacher. There's an old devotional from um, Our Daily Bread. 
I'm not that familiar with it. I'm more of a moody guy myself, but uh, this is good. This is a quote. This isn't God's word. This is a quote from the devotional, but I like it as an illustration of preaching our responsibility. We do not need a pulpit from which to speak God's word. It only takes our willingness to share what we have heard. Jesus said, go into all the world. And it ended with, well, the world ends or the world begins where your front yard ends. All of us are called to that. So that's what this means. That's what the word preach means. What is Timothy's calling? It's to preach the word. What is our calling? Preach the word. And there's two things that really struck me, the so what question. As I go through this and prepare this and, and your thoughts grow and deepen as you're in the word, the two things that really stood out to me very, very strongly were one is the importance of the word of God. We are probably, all of us, the first generation in the history of the entire universe that has virtually unlimited access to the Word of God. If you have an Internet connection, you have the ability to look up original languages. You can have an interlinear Bible, which is super careful translation, word-to-word, hard-to-read. You can have a translation that's super poetic and has the meaning for meaning, and you have everything in between. You can click on things. You can find works. You can mine it, and as long as you've got that freedom, which we enjoy in this country, it's unlimited and it's available. I think we all know people that struggle with what's, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Guess what? Read the Word. I don't know how to hear God's voice. Read the Word. What's What's important to God? Read the Word. We have the Word with us, and it is a tremendous gift. And it's a gift that not a lot of people on the planet share. You can read English. I think there's probably every translation is available to you. It's remarkable how important that is. Second thing that was really driven home is that all of us are called to preach. All of us. Now, at Grace Point, we, we're very practical people at Grace Point. We always have been. And we've said for a long time that, you know what, we want the word is so important that the preaching of the word is so important, we're going to take one of the elders and pay them so they don't have to have a, 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 a job that takes them away from the work. In the old days, they called that uh, you had to go make tents to earn your living before you could preach. Well, we don't want Gary to worry about making tents. I don't know if you'd be a good tent maker anyway, Gary. That's it. He'd be a motorcycle repairman probably. But um, you, it doesn't say in Second Timothy, preach the word if you're a vocational pastor. It doesn't say preach the word if your name is Timothy. It says preach the word. And... You can go through all the gymnastics, but it applies to all of us. Where If you're a Christian, you're called to preach the world, word to the world. So your calling is to preach the word. Now, your way you preach the word and how you preach the word and where you preach the word could be very, very different. You might be called to preach the word within your family. You might be called to preach the word at work. You might be called to preach the word up here. It, it, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do that. But what's your main calling? It's to share the word of God with the people who don't know it. They need it. We need it. And uh, I think we're able to do that. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And next week we'll talk a lot more about fulfilling your ministry, what that is and what that looks like. But right now I think we're we're left with what Paul's primary message was, what the primary thing he was passing on to Timothy was to preach the word. The men would come up now. We're going to move to a time of uh, demonstrating what we believe instead of just talking about it. Uh, We call it the Lord's Supper. Some people call it...